everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dr. Jill Live. As always, you're in for a real treat today. I have a guest and I met Emily um, in Costa Rica, where we were both speaking to an amazing group of individuals down there. And just one of the things we really, really connected on was flow states. Um, but today you're in for an extra special treat because we're going to dive into sexual relationships and intimacy and flow states and how this is so critical as we were just talking before we get on to your overall health. Um, I just want to mention if you're a mom and you have little kids around, we're talking about sex today. So you might want to put in your headphones or just do the, listen to this privately, not sure where we'll go, but just want to do that warning in case you're the mom in the kitchen with all your little kids listening as well today. Um, Emily, let me introduce Dr. Emily. Um, and let me make sure I say your last name correctly. Jamia. Jamia. Okay. Jamia. So Dr. Emily Jimmy is a sex and relationship therapist based in Houston, Texas. With over 15 years of experience, she's helped thousands of people create connection and cultivate passion. When she's not seeing clients, Emily conducts academic research in the area of optimal sexual experiences and serves as an expert speaker for both public and private events. Her expertise has been featured in Oprah Magazine, CNN, USA Today, the BBC, NBC, CVS, Men's Fitness, Women's Health, and more. She hosts the popular Love and Libido podcast, writes a column for Healthy Women and Psychology Today, and posts all across the social media channels at Dr. Emily Jemia. So be sure and follow her on social media. Wherever you're listening to this, you'll find the links to her website and everything else. Um, welcome, Emily. I am so excited about our topic today. Thank you, Dr. Jill. I'm so thrilled to be here with you today and to connect after seeing you in Costa Rica. It feels like it's been ages ago, but it was only a few months back. And I feel, yes, we connected and bonded over flow state. And I cannot wait to talk to you about that more today. Yeah, thank you for taking your time and your expertise, because I really feel what I told you right before we get on is whether people know it or not, um, intimacy and sexual connection is a foundation of health. And one of the things I had originally, like my book was about environmental toxicity, and I was like, wait, relationships are critical to overall health. And I actually started talking about, well, relational toxicity, right, is one of those environmental toxins. Yeah. So I'm going to this today because no matter who you are, whether you're single in a partnership in a long-term committed relationship, this topic doesn't matter to your overall health. And whether it's actual intimacy in friendships or sexual health in your partnership, these interactions of which Dr. Emily is an absolute expert are critical to your health. Before we dive into that, I want to know your background. How did you get into this work? Um, give us a little bit about your story. Sure. So there's actually a little bit of a medical component to the story. So my dad is an OBGYN. So growing up for us, sex was never taboo, you know, but it was not a big deal. I learned about how babies were made from a very young age. However, I was growing up in Southeast Tennessee in a small town, very conservative, and it quickly became apparent to me that it was a taboo topic for a lot of my friends. And so from a very young age, I realized like I was the person that they would come to, to maybe confess something or ask a question. And it was just something I was always comfortable talking about. And it, it saddened me that most people felt differently. And so I, I do feel like getting into this field was more of a calling. Like I felt called to it. Um, Fast forward, I was studying at the University of Texas. I was majoring in psychology and I took a human sexuality elective. I, I knew I wanted to specialize in something, but as soon as I took that class, I was like, this is it. Yeah. You know, I just see sexuality as such an interesting window into the psyche. 
Um, you can learn so much about a person and their relationship by finding out about how they express themselves sexually. And then I found out that there was a huge need for it. By then I, I moved back to Houston, which is a city of 4 million people. And there were like three certified sex therapists in Houston. So it was like there, and there was, they were busy, they were booked. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, there's a market for this. I people love it. People don't want to talk about it, but they do want to talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> they need help with it. And so, yeah. so that's really how I got into it. And, and I feel so lucky to do this work. I find it so fulfilling and meaningful to help people discover this part of themselves that, you know, I see as being so foundationally human and natural, but people still struggle with feeling like it's wrong or dirty or bad, or they just don't prioritize it. They don't see the value in it. And so um, to help people get in touch with that really elemental part of themselves, I think is, is really cool. So I feel very lucky. Love that. And we need people like you, Dr. Emily, because like I said, what I realized in a lot of my patients, I can do the environmental toxic load and the infectious burden and the autoimmunity, and we're doing all this work. And then this parallels with my own life because I did all those work, but then I was in a toxic relationship for quite a few years. And what I realized is that actually looking back over my cancer and Crohn's and some of those things, some of those pieces were actually way more to do with my relationships and my difficulty with expressing my needs or intimacy, or even asking for what I needed, which is a lot about sexual expression. Can we express to our partner? This is what I need from you, whether it's just even helping me with dishes or in the bedroom, right? So totally. let's dive into what you see. And like I told you before, my audience, mostly women, but I have a lot of men listening too, so we can sure. talk both sides, but yeah. the, what's the most common things that you see people asking about that they want to know um, for deeper connection and intimacy? Yeah. So, you know, I'll start by echoing your point that the health of our relationship has a direct impact on our physical health. I mean, we have robust research looking at the link between healthy relationships and not only feeling like one's life is meaningful and fulfilling, but also our physical health. I mean, if you take couples who maybe half of the group is in unhealthy relationships or maybe single and the other half of the group is in healthy, loving relationships and you spray the cold virus into their nose, the people who are in unhealthy relationships have like way higher chance of actually catching the cold compared with people who are in healthy relationships. And so it's good for our immune system feeling loved and connected and having a secure attachment with our partner you know, we, we have healthier cardiovascular, lower risks of cardiovascular disease. We tend to live longer or we have stronger immune systems. So it just is really, really important. Um, and I think that we live in a world that despite all the social connection is really more disconnected than ever before. A lot of people can't even count on one hand how many close relationships they have, friendships they have, let alone romantic relationships. So it's super important. It's something that we are hardwired to have. Um, and we know from the research that feeling sexually fulfilled and connected is a really essential component of romantic relationships. The two go hand in hand. In fact, 
how sexually satisfied you are in your relationship can be a stronger predictor of how happy you are on the romantic emotional side than the reverse. So a lot of times people think that you have to have a great relationship in order to have a great sex life. And there's truth in that statement. But if the sex is bad, your relationship is definitely going to suffer too. So um, I think it's it's an aspect of relationships that people don't really pay enough attention to. And so to answer your question about what kinds of things I see, I would say the majority of the clients I work with are couples dealing with a discrepancy in sexual desire, or maybe just a lost sexual connection altogether. So maybe one person wants sex more than the other, or there's someone in the relationship who just feels really disconnected from their sexuality. They're struggling to connect and, and they realize that it's not just sexual, it's emotional too. The two go hand in hand. So um, that's primarily what I see. I also work with couples who are dealing with different kinds of sexual problems. Maybe they have difficulty having an orgasm or have erectile dysfunction, or I help couples recover from things like relationship betrayal and fidelity, those sorts of things. So I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's start with some of the first things you mentioned, I think are so practical with um, differences in sexual desire between partners. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing you mentioned is just lack of desire in general, like lack of libido. Um, and I think that really relates to our crazy modern world. So we can go into that, but yeah. touch on both topics. Where would you start yeah. with the partners and kind of counseling them of, of what kinds of things they could start to do differently or think differently? Yeah. Or- Well, I always like to look at what's going into one person feeling disconnected from their sexuality and what's going into another person feeling like they have a really, you know, robust sexual appetite. Because a lot of times people are quick to pathologize the lower desire partner. But, you know, on the flip side, someone may have really high desire because they're over relying on sex Mm -hmm. as a coping skill or as an outlet or to feel secure in their relationship. So I'm always like playing detective at first to see what's going on in the relationship dynamic. Obviously, if there is relationship conflict or something like that, that has to be addressed. Um, You know, but I think for women in particular, there is this idea that women just want emotional connection and men just want a sexual connection. And so from a very early age, we split sex and emotion. And the truth is they are one in the same. I think that sexual expression is, or sexual connection is really the ultimate form of romantic and emotional connection. And so, you know, the majority of couples who come in with a desire and with a discrepancy in desire, it's the male partner who maybe has higher desire, not as much as people think. I would say it's maybe like a 60, 40 split. Um, and, and I talked to him about his higher desire and I have never heard someone say, I just want to have sex with my partner to get off. (laughs) Okay. It's not just about the physical release. They see sex as an opportunity for emotional intimacy, but they don't really know how to communicate that. And so their partner doesn't hear it and they assume they just want to get laid, but that's not what it's about. So to answer your question a bit more succinctly, a lot of times it starts with a reframe about what the sexual experience is meant to be and helping them understand that Yes, there is a physical element to it, but it is by and large an emotional and relational experience as well. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one thing I'm hearing um, as you're talking, it didn't say outright, but I'm sure it's there. It feels like in my experience, talking to clients and patients as well, that foundation of trust is such a core thing, right? Which is why yeah. you have to deal with it. There has been a betrayal or whatever. And just in my experience, having been married and single and everything in between, yeah. that trust for me is like the core, right? Like I can express, I can be completely sexually free, but only when there's a massive trust between my partner and I. And Absolutely. that's a piece that comes up because that feels oh, like yeah. underlying things. <laughs> totally, totally. So I think this is where attachment theory comes into play. So for anyone listening, who's not, who hasn't heard about that, it's, it's not a really a theory anymore. I mean, this is backed up by like a ton of hard evidence, but we can attach or relate to our partners in a few different ways. If we have a secure attachment, it means that we feel safe and we have healthy intimacy. We trust that they love us and we love them. We can open up to them about things. If we have an anxious style of attachment. That means we maybe feel insecure in our relationship. We don't really believe that our partner maybe loves us as much as we love them. And then people who have a more avoidant style of attachment have a hard time with emotional intimacy and closeness. And so there's a lot of distance in the relationship. And people who have the greatest levels of sexual satisfaction are those who have a really secure attachment. Because, you know, I always give the analogy, it's only when you trust that you're securely strapped into the roller coaster that you can let go and enjoy the ride. If you feel insecure, if there is lack of trust, if there's instability or relationship conflict, if there's resentment, those sorts of things are going to take a toll on how fully you can express yourself in the bedroom for sure. Oh, I love that you, and I love Stan Tatkin's attachment work. I, that's been, that was profound. I, I went through a divorce. My ex-husband and I are now friends. We talk openly about what we did well and what we didn't do well. And yeah. more, we were both fairly avoidant. So we lived these kind mm. of lives. We didn't really need, know how to express the needs like we were saying. So right. speaking of that, again, just from my experience, expressing needs for men and women can be difficult. How do you teach mm-hmm. or ask questions about, you know, like, because most people deep down, some people don't know what they need, but many people kind of know what they might want or need, but the difficulty comes in expressing a need, right? Totally. So with that question with your clients, as far as how do you practice expressing those needs in the bedroom? Well, well, I think so I'm going to take a step back because I think that for women in particular, since you said the majority of your listeners are women, I want to make sure that they hear this message. You ask a woman what she needs and she can probably tell you what everybody else needs. Okay. And I'm not talking about a sexual need. I'm just talking about kind of life and emotion. Baby and the dog. and the- <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. But you ask her like, what does she need, let alone what she wants? Yeah. She probably can't even yeah. identify that. And what I always tell people is that you cannot separate your sexuality from your individuality. Everything that makes you who you are is going to come out in the way you express yourself sexually. And I say that because I think a lot of women, especially through motherhood, kind of disconnect from themselves. And there's such a shift in identity and almost a loss of sense of self. And so I think it's important to take a more holistic look about kind of who am I and what do I want outside the bedroom? And once I have a clear picture of that, 
I can identify and express what I want inside the bedroom. You know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And so I think that it's important to go into sexual experiences with a really kind of growth oriented mindset um, with a sense of almost like childlike wonderment with kind of a, a willingness to play. A lot of times people are like, well, how do I do this, that, or the other without it feeling awkward? And I'm like, you don't like you just yeah. push through the awkwardness and you keep doing it until it doesn't feel awkward anymore. Like, but for some reason people think like great sex should happen right off the bat. And I'm like that we don't think that way about anything else in life, but we have this idea that sex should be picture perfect without any effort. And it just doesn't work like that. So there's a lot of trial and error that comes with great sexual experiences. And when you talk to couples who've sustained really high levels of satisfaction over the course of long-term relationships, they talk about that, how they're experimental and they don't let little hiccups or snafus totally derail them. They they see it as an opportunity to make adjustments or try something new. And so I do think that mindset um, is, is a big piece of the puzzle. I love hey, everybody. I just stopped by to let you know that my new book, Unexpected, Finding Resilience Through Functional Medicine, Science and Faith, is now available for order wherever you purchase books. In this book, I share my own journey of overcoming life-threatening illness and the tools and tips and tricks and hope and resilience I found along the way. This book includes practical advice for things like cancer and Crohn's disease and other autoimmune conditions, infections like Lyme or Epstein-Barr and mold and biotoxin-related illness. What I really hope is that as you read this book, you find transformational wisdom for health and healing. If you want to get your own copy, stop by readunexpected.com. There you can also collect your free bonuses. So grab your copy today and begin your own transformational journey through functional medicine in finding resilience. The puzzle. I love that you mentioned play. And to me, it's the play, creativity, and all of that goes together. And in my mind, sexual energy, I'm not talking sexual expression in the bedroom, but my sexual energy, your sexual energy is part of our creativity. It's part of yes. our biggest force in the world to be a light, to be a driving force, to be passionate about what we do. And to me, they're all completely intertwined, which is why I oh. love talking about this today, right? So 100%. It, it goes forward and we can talk about flow in a minute, but it yeah. goes because I've learned in my writing my book, I know you're writing yours now and I can't wait till it comes out so we can share it. Um, yeah. That creativity and stuff comes from the same energy, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll say, you know, to kind of go, step back a little bit on the point I, I just made that while I don't think that great sex is going to happen automatically, I do believe that we have all the tools innate within us. You know, you look at any child and they are very much embodied. They are curious. They are playful. They push the boundaries. They explore. They do all of those things. But as soon as we start growing and maturing, and I think just due to our educational system and the influence of society and culture, we kind of lose touch with all of that. And we become indoctrinated. And, and so it's not a matter. What I always tell my clients is I'm not trying to change who you are essentially, or to make you something that you're not. I'm trying to help you get back in touch with things that are already there inside that you've just become disconnected with over the years. Yeah. Gosh, I love that. Cause it's so true. Cause even children sexually, they're exploratory, right? And it's only the parents yeah. and the 
grandparents and the people around they're like, oh, don't do that. That's wrong. That's they they label exactly. Like, they're just yeah, and it's about their bodies. And like, yeah, and like the gender socialization from such an early age, like a little boy touches his penis, like, oh, how cute, he found his penis. But then like a little girl touches yeah. herself and it's like, don't touch yourself there. You right. know, <laughs> like what is the difference? And so I yeah. think we have to be very mindful of of just the that a lot of times we socialize women to feel ashamed about their body and, and bad about sex and, you know, men are celebrated for it. And that creates a lot of problems for people. I love that you shared that because medically so true. And I love your background. It's, it makes so much sense of how it framed you. It'd be like, this is just biology, right? Like, and I feel weird, which is why I'm talking on my show because my show is mostly about health. This is such a core part of your health is your your intimacy, your ability to express yourself sexually. Um, Let's shift to flow because that was where we really connected. I love flow. I'd love to hear kind of your definition. People have heard me talk about it a lot and why it's integral to the sexual expression and why you can experience flow through sex. Let's talk a little bit about flow. (laughs) What is it? I would love to. So I'll tell you a little bit about how I connected the dots with flow and sex. And you know, I've, I've been working as a sex and relationship for therapist for over 15 years. And, you know, as I said, a lot of times couples come in with low desire, ED, things like that. And I was able to help them get better. You know, I could help someone learn how to get an erection again, or learn how to have more regular orgasms or boost their desire. But I noticed that after a while, couples would come back and they'd be kind of like, what more? Like, what else can we do? Like, how can we take things to the next level? Like, and they would say things like, I want to have sex like I see in the movies. And I was always so quick to say, you know, those are just actors, it's Hollywood, it's scripted. But on the other hand, I kind of knew what they meant. They wanted sex that felt effortless, that put them in the zone, that they felt totally absorbed and connected. And what I, I kind of had a light bulb moment. I was like, you know what they're wanting is to experience a flow state during sex. Like that's what they're describing. And so at first I was like, you know, I feel like that kind of connection is just something some people are lucky to have and either you have it or you don't. And maybe these people should just be happy with the good enough sex that they have and not necessarily want for more. Um, So I turned to the academic literature and I could not find a single article that looked at the relationship between flow state and sex. And I was like, what? Like, how is there nothing here? Like this kind of, I mean, people talk about transcendence and things like that, but there was no, you know, quantitative, like empirical data looking specifically at the components of flow state and how that related to sex. So despite not being in academia, (laughs) I took it upon myself to initiate a research study um, that looked at the relationship between flow state and sexual satisfaction. So I got hundred participants and um, not surprisingly, I found a really strong correlation between people who experienced high, high levels of satisfaction mm-hmm. and who were experiencing what we describe as a flow state during sex. And so what a flow state is, is when you're engaged in an activity where there is full concentration, total absorption, almost a loss of sense of self, loss of space and time. There's kind of a distortion. Um, All the chitter chatter in your brain goes quiet and you're able to just fully immerse yourself in the experience. And a lot of the literature on flow 
looks at people who experience that during, you know, athletics, sports, kind of talk about it like an athlete getting in the zone or an artist or a jazz ensemble or musician. But um, I went and looked at uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's book, and he did write a little bit about flow and sex, but there wasn't even a ton there. And so I'm like, we need to start talking about this. And And so I saw an opportunity to kind of use flow state science to teach people how to take their sexual experience to the next level, how they they don't necessarily have to settle for just good enough sex that I I think everyone with the right mindset can have like optimal flow state sex. I love that. Love that you did the study to (laughs) to show it because- that's what I came upon. That's again, that's why we connected. Cause in my, yeah. I realized, wow. And same thing with, um, uh, my Mihai chicks, Mihai's work. And Steve Fowler in that. And yeah. they a lot of times do talk about music, music, creativity, flow. And mm-hmm. for me, it was like, oh, I can take this for health because yeah. like the rehab and the switch in your health is when you can find flow that actually um, well, you and I know it's the optimate state of neurotransmitters. So you have right. dopamine and norepinephrine. So you feel yeah. really, really good and you want that state again. And again, you can do it in many different ways, but that right. actually has health benefits. So no yeah. one. Well, and, and Stephen Kotler talks about how getting into surfing again and finding flow, like cured him of his Lyme, Lyme disease, I think yeah. it was. And so, yeah, I think there is enormous benefit to flow. And, you know, the way I see it is if sex is something like not everyone is going to be a surfer or an artist or learn how to play the, you know, to be in a jazz band or something like that, but like most people are having sex. And so why don't we use sex as a place to experience flow and see what happens then? So I love it. And in your research, how did you actually determine who was in flow? Was it just descriptions of that or how, what were the criteria for that in the sexual arena. (laughs) Sure. So there is a flow state questionnaire. And so I asked people to think back on, you know, one of their really great sexual experiences and then answer whether those qualities were there. Um, And so, you know, the study, obviously every study has some you know, flaws. And so, yeah, so this was self-report and it was asking them to reflect back on a prior sexual experience as opposed to like studying anything in the moment, but I have a ton more research I want to do. Oh yeah. a closer look at that. and see how much dopamine they produce. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I have tons of ideas, but I think it was a really good, just jumping off point because really the language about flow state didn't exist in the questionnaires that we currently use to assess sexual satisfaction. And so I think that, you know, my findings hopefully can also go towards the development of a new sexual satisfaction questionnaire that is looking at whether or not people are, aren't just having good sex, but if they're having like really extraordinary sex. Wow. And if Stephen and my and your theory are the same, then that means this flow state sex is actually really good for your health. Surprise. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's like, we know that yeah, it's kind of like two birds with one stone. We know there are a ton of health benefits to sex and we know there's a ton of health benefits for flow. And so if you can get both at the same time, I mean, you're practically superhuman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's so beautiful. If we take this to more of a, you know, a deeper level, maybe spiritual, non-religious level, but spiritual level, right. that desire to be love and to love and mm-hmm. to be connected and belong 
And yeah. it's really at the core of humanity. We all have this innate desire to belong, to um, be loved, to love. And yeah. at the core, these flow states, when you're truly, and they describe again, whether it's a surfer or a musician mm-hmm. or in sex, it's this oneness that people right. experience. And mm-hmm. so it's no wonder that that's so fulfilling. And again, whether we take it with the sexual uh, flow or outside of sex with sports or music or any of that, yeah. people who experience flow, they want more. And I'll just be honest. I love flow. I have to use my more. Yeah. And I want more too. I like, and that's why totally. I love talking about it to share it with patients because yes. when you get that state incorporated into your life, there is mm-hmm. really a connection with happiness, satisfaction, oh, yeah. health, all these things. So it's really exactly. it's so much bigger than, um, than any of these one categories. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think, you know, when we know there's literature looking at people who have high levels of sexual, sexual satisfaction do feel like their lives are more meaningful. They feel more connected. So yeah, the benefits are just across the board. So we kind of talked about like trust and a few, but what would you say are the core components in a a romantic relationship to have good sex? What are the foundational components that someone needs in order to even get to that point? So, you know, with trust, comes the security and freedom that you can explore. And I think that is where a lot of people shy away when it comes to sex and kind of get stuck in this monotonous there's, and look, there is nothing wrong with slow, tender vanilla sex, but you know, I think it's wonderful and very exciting and fulfilling in its own way. But we also know that sexual novelty is really important and trying new things is important. And we look at couples who sustain high levels of sexual satisfaction, they mix things up every now and then. And so if we look at flow science, one of the core elements of flow is what they refer to as this balance between challenge and skills. So that means that the challenge of what you're doing is it only has to be about 4% greater than your skill set, as you know. So a lot of times when when I talk to couples about mixing things up, they think they have to like dive into the deep end and like pull out, you know, the 50 shades of gray type of stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like if you get there, that's fine. You know, whatever, more power to you. But sometimes it's making just really small changes, striking that 4%, because if they dive in too hard, too fast, then the challenge is going to be way too high above their skill set and they're going to feel anxious and insecure and scared and not want to do it again. And so sexual novelty, I think, is looking for the more subtle nuance and how you can change things up in a way that still feels not just fun and exciting and different, but also safe and and makes you feel connected and and those sorts of things. So um, I think that is important to keep in mind when you're trying new things in bed. Yeah. Um, so one thought as you're talking is fear, obviously is an inhibitor to great sexual expression, right? So you probably right. have levels have to deal with different people's men's and women's fears. Mm-hmm. On these mm-hmm. things. What about, um, you mentioned when there, when there's betrayal, when there's uh, so many women that I see have had past abuse or trauma yeah. and it's so sad, the numbers, you know, it just, it's, it's probably one in three. I don't know exactly, but I'm guessing. How do you help them to heal or, and, and obviously you have this incredible expertise, but you and I both know there's other somatic therapists or other, what mm-hmm. other tools or resources, or even within your own practice, maybe um, programs, protocols, what else do you use for the woman or man who has had abuse or pain or suffering that has 
marred their experience of sex? Well, I'll say the the trauma protocol that I fall back on the most is EMDR. So EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And it's a really amazing way of helping process stuck feelings and helping change negative inhibiting thoughts that you may have that are holding you back from, you know, reclaiming yourself and from healing. But I, I also am such a believer that we can heal through a loving relationship. Yeah. I think there's this idea, especially here in the West, that you like have to heal yourself first before you get into a relationship. And I just don't think that's true. I think that intimacy can be a really beautiful way of healing trauma. And so I would say, you know, in addition to maybe working with an individual therapist who is trained in trauma protocols to to heal some of those trauma wounds, also partnering up with someone who is patient and tender and kind and available really, I think, is probably the most profound um, when it comes to healing trauma. Oh, Emily, I love, love where you're going. And I love <laughs> I, I will say just, I really believe so strongly for myself and my patients, the people we come in contact with, whether it's friends, even family, and definitely intimate partners, intimate partners, the most so because we have the most contact, the most deepest kinds of connections. I really believe they're all teachers, right? Like they truly, our soul's journey is to meet these people, these different experiences, and our soul kind of grinds against the rub as far as usually they bring up the traumas. And so we should not expect to go through and have this perfect relationship um, because if we, first of all, who does have the perfect relationship? I don't know anyone who does. Yeah. And so when we come against those rubs, those little triggers in our own souls and our own self, to me, it's always, a, it's, all, it's still hard. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, sure. but if I shift the view instead of being like, oh my gosh, my partner is terrible or does this or does that, or my ex-husband, yeah. even friends, right? But right. Do that to, oh, wait, why am I being triggered? And maybe there, maybe just maybe this person is in my life so that I can work on my stuff, right? Totally. totally. <laughs> and I love that you say that because if we're just, it's so easy when life is hard or a partnership or relationship, even a friendship is hard. It's easy to pull back and be like, oh, I don't want to be with that person anymore. I'm going to break up or I, even a friendship. Um, and even family, people can kind of go away from family. Now I'm not saying stay in something toxic or abusive, but what right. I'm saying is sometimes there's pieces and usually there's pieces that bring out the pieces that we need to work on or that we have the opportunity to love into healing. Right. Yes. And I love thinking of it that way, because then it's not so much like, oh, it's your fault, your fault. It's like, oh, what is this teacher here to help me grow and how right. is it all going to change? Right. I totally agree. I just did this like big rant on my Instagram page about how I feel like we have these days, like there's too much of an emphasis on boundaries and self-care. And I'm like, okay, yes, we need these things, but humans are social and relational first and foremost. And I just can't tell you how many, like, I think the word toxic is overused and I even think the word like abuse and trauma is overused. And I think it kind of, I had someone reply just in a private message, like, thank you so much for saying this because I was legitimately traumatized as a kid. And when I hear people say that they have like emotional trauma from, you know, something so 
silly in my opinion. It kind of like delegitimizes my experience. And so, yes, I, I am such a believer that we need to see conflict even in relationships is an opportunity to grow and to learn something new about ourselves, rather than just like cut that person out of your life right away. Obviously don't stay in a truly abusive relationship, but like, I think we need to cut people a little bit of slack. <laughs> I, I really, really love that. Cause like you said, you're not hearing that. And in my experience, again, I see patients, I'm not a therapist, so I know my limitations, but because I'm in an intimate, very sacred relationship with patients, I hear a lot of things, including difficulty in relationships, sexual um, problems. So some of the same things you do. And because of that, what I see sometimes is it's very easy to be like, oh, this is the first problem three years in, boom, let's break up. But the people who tend to stick it out, and I'd love to know your opinion, but say people are 15, 20, 25 years together, they've had some really rocky times when they thought they wanted to give up, right? And mm-hmm. they out, and all of a sudden they learned and it's almost like they got to this new level. Like if you're climbing the mountain and there's like this fog over the trees, right. all of a sudden you come out and you're like, oh my gosh, the view is there's amazing. There's the view, <laughs> yes. And I see relationships. And again, there are times and places where it is truly unhealthy and you need right. to, that's yeah. But there are times when it feels so difficult, but mm-hmm. break through and create this whole new level of trust and intimacy in a relationship. And I'm sure you've seen that as well, right? With those. Oh two- yeah. I mean, I think what you know, we're we um we have such short attention spans. We live in a society that is all about instant gratification, which is why a lot of times when the honeymoon phase of the relationship wears off and that intensity transitions into intimacy, people jump ship because they're ill-equipped to really understand or navigate what intimacy is about, which is this process of individuating while also maintaining a connection to another person. So when we're in the honeymoon stage of the relationship, we literally have so much dopamine surging through our brain. It's as if we're high on cocaine. Like you got the rose colored glasses on They They can do no wrong. It's this whole like two become one thing. And eventually those chemicals come down because if they stayed at that level, we wouldn't get anything done. And that happens at about six to 18 months in a relationship. And that's where suddenly the sex might not feel as exciting or suddenly the way that they chew irritates you, Uh (laughs) you know? And so that though gives us an opportunity to, to differentiate, which is all about figuring out who you are in relation to another person and inherent in that process is going to be some conflict. And if you can brave the waters and roll your sleeves up and stick it out and get your head above the clouds, I think the view, as you said, can't be truly magnificent. Yeah. Um, gosh, in our last few minutes, um, let's talk to that woman or man out there. Again, we probably have more women than men, but either one who, They've been in a relationship for some years and they're right now today feeling so discouraged. It's not abusive. It's not like something they need to run today, but it's hard and it's painful and it's causing maybe even health related issues, lack of sleep or microservice. And they're feeling incredibly, incredibly discouraged because I know there's people out there feeling that and and maybe they're not having sex with their partner because of conflict. Where do they start? What kind of hope can you give this woman? Mm -hmm. So my advice would be to sit down with your partner and reassess what your vision is 
for your relationship. I think a lot of times we are so kind of bogged down. Like we, what's the saying? You can't see the forest for the trees or something like you're so kind of in the middle of it that you forget to take a step back and look at your relationship more holistically. And part of that is identifying like what, not just what your goals are, but like what kind of meaning do you want your relationship to have? What do you want it to give to you? And what can you do for your partner? It's kind of like a, a, you know, the gestalt of your relationship. Like it's bigger than just each piece. It's like the sum is greater than the parts. And I think that is sometimes a better place to start than in the community, in the minutia of like, when you said this, it made me feel, you know, like that's all fine and good. But I think sometimes it's good to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Um, and then you can go back and talk about how you can get to a place where you can hopefully reach some of those goals. Um, the other thing I'll say to people like who are really sexually disconnected and haven't had sex in a long time is to expect that it's going to feel awkward when you start doing it again. A lot of times people are like, oh, well, I don't want it to feel awkward or what can I do so it won't feel awkward or just because it felt awkward one time, then they're totally discouraged. They don't want to do it again. And I'm like, this is the only thing in life we think about that way. Like anything you haven't done in a long time is going to feel awkward at first. It's going to take some getting used to. And so I just remind people that when you're making love, you can't go wrong. If it's coming from a loving place that it's okay if it feels a little awkward or uncomfortable at first, you just have to keep going and keep trying, you know, good sex doesn't, isn't rare. I mean, people who have great sex are pretty regular about it. And and I think, again, it's one of those things we know that about just about everything else in life, but for some reason, when it comes to sex, we think about it differently, but we can't think about it differently. It's really the same. Great, great advice. Uh, This was so full of good pearls. Thank you so much. My last thought is just that where you ended on love and so often we're like, how can I be loved? How can I get my needs met? How can I, you know, and all this thing. Like when we have this energy of like, how can I love the people around me, my partner, my family, and we shift to how can I be that love that I wish to receive? Yeah. Pretty powerful about that that transforms. Totally. And we usually totally. end up receiving the love right back. But exactly. I, I'm all about an abundance mindset. I think sometimes it's and this is just human nature. We're, you know, kind of primed to look at what's going wrong. But sometimes starting by looking at what's going right and then building off of that is going to give you a lot more leverage to reconnect. Awesome. Well, I think we mentioned the beginning, but where can people find you? Sure. So I'm across all the social media channels at Dr. Emily Jamia. That's Dr. Emily Jamia. Um, my website is emilyjamia.com, and I've got tons of online learning material there and workshops you can do if you're feeling emotionally and sexually disconnected. And I'm happy to give your listeners a code half off they can use for my six week workshop. So um, if you're interested, definitely check it out. We will definitely, so wherever you're listening, um, you will find below uh, the links to all of Dr. Emily's websites and programs. So excited to have you. Thank you again for taking the time and thank you for making this the area of your expertise and really changing the world one couple at a time. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and have this conversation with you. It's great to reconnect. 